Welcome back to another edition of New Mexico Rising. Today, we're going to sit down and have a conversation with Danny Katz, author of the book Word Up, Little Languaging Hacks for Big Change. She is a Santa Fe resident and has a couple of things to say about the mayor and the public health order that seems to be extended in perpetuity. We'll discuss that as well as some other things, and we have a big announcement at the end of the show. Let's get started. Today on the 25th episode of New Mexico Rising, we're excited to be having a conversation with Danny Katz. While working to obtain her master's degree in journalism from the University of Southern California, Ms. Katz forged her path as a literary communicator writing about a multitude of topics for LA Weekly in the early 2000s. She's since gone on to contribute to a plethora of publications, including the Los Angeles Times, Vice, the Santa Fe Reporter, and others, and recently worked as a researcher and writer for the absurdly censored film, Plandemic 2, Indoctrination. Over the last several years, she's become an expert in the realm of quantum languaging and conscious communication. She's the author of Word Up, Little Languaging Hacks for Big Change, and works as a consultant, coach, and strategist for all things language. She currently resides in Santa Fe, and we look forward to further understanding her vision of the future and what she thinks needs to happen in order to see New Mexico rise. But before we get into that, it seems as though we're drawn back into the abyss, as always, of trending topics with a story that won't go away and a governor who's always willing to increase her power to protect us from ourselves. Thad, do you feel safe? I always feel safe Yeah, under the loving embrace in the bosom of our queen, Michelle yeah. Grisham. Happy Halloween, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> to give you to start it off with a very, very scary thought. So New right. Mexico's governor, once again, Michelle Lujan Grisham on Tuesday said that the state is prepared to take action to improve safety on film sets here in the state. <laughs> this is because of the tragedy that happened um, last Thursday on the set of Rust. When a cinematographer, Helena Hutchins, was kind of shot during a rehearsal because Alec Baldwin doesn't know anything about gun safety. So he doesn't seem to have a lot of remorse about it either. I yeah, I yeah. I mean, to think that he was going to is to is to is to be silly and to not. Yeah, he's not exactly the kind of guy that gets remorseful. No, that's no, not no. really his style. Yeah, him he's rather his... narcissistic. He actually looked like he was about ready to attack somebody that was walking up to him with a camera. And isn't that, that, that fake, that's kind of his mo, though? Isn't that his kind of fake grifter wife that had the fake accent and wasn't really isn't really Spanish? She's just like a white girl. Uh, I don't 
Oh, no. Yeah, dude. Really, uh, I guess anyway, I um, we're already the stars, way too deep into this. Let me just get through this because it's so. All right, all right I'm, sorry. Um, I'm sorry. So yeah, uh, so she is saying that basically that the movie industry here in the state needs to come to her with you know specific and accountable accountable safeguards to make sure that this doesn't happen again. If you know anyone in the movie industry, and we we happen to know some, there are already those safeguards. They just weren't followed that's it you don't need more rules and so basically this is dumb this is just her injecting herself into this uh news cycle because she's you know for lack of a better word not to not to slut shame an attention yeah. whore and yeah. the simple fact of the matter is there's nothing more that new mexico can do um there's nothing more that the really the industry can do beyond the safeguards that are already in effect on all sets First of all, the, the bullet that was somehow ended up in this revolver that somehow ended up in the hands of this madman that somehow ended up killing someone should have never been there. But again, there are safeguards to make sure that there aren't bullets there. Those safeguards weren't followed. This is just human error and the crisis in expertise we have in all aspects of life. People are stupid and people do dumb things and people are lackadaisical. It doesn't really matter what law is going to be on the books about this. It doesn't matter what threat comes from whatever state legislator. It's just another, it's just going to reiterate the steps that they already take. Yeah, but they and will make another one. There will be more yeah, laws. There will be more regulations. Yeah, they will, will find be. some way to increase their power because that's pretty much what they do with everything. Yeah, no, um, never let a tragedy go to waste. And yeah. a tragedy that is necessary to in expand state power is always going to be the path of least resistance to people who are kind of megalomaniacal in their uh, just just insatiable urge to control. That is what it is. That's probably just a good time to bring our guest on. Danny, are, are, do you have a megalomaniacal, insatiable desire for control? No, but I'm loving this show so much. It's like we're all on the same page of like, fuck this. <laughs> you know, I think, see, we've, we've tried to behave ourselves here for a long time and not drop F-bombs, but I, I love that. That might be the first one on this show. Yeah, oh, really? So. Congratulations. So oh, no, no. It's oh, no, fine. we don't care about that. You know, uh, we, no, we, just, we, we just, as we dress up as respectable <laughs> members of society and respectable <laughs> members of the, I, I guess, dare I say, press corps, we tend to try not to do it on Sunday because this is meet the press for, you know, people post-church. Yeah. This is the post-church meet the press. Or Am I rubbing it in too hard if I say that the press corps, if I paraphrase Hunter and just say we're a bunch of faggots? Am I am I okay to say that? Well, yet another F-bomb. <laughs> Since we're dropping F-bombs here. <laughs> I mean, I'm a happy little faggot. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> so, Danny, please introduce yourself to our audience in New Mexico Rising. Who are you? And definitely, we want to hear your rants about the tyranny that is the capital of our great state. For sure. Uh, I think Sean did a great job. I really loved your edits. Of I was like, ooh, I need to incorporate these <laughs> for my bio. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've been in New Mexico on and off for 10 years. I used to have a column in the Santa Fe Reporter. I'm now banned for life. Just add it, add it to the list of publications from which I'm forever censored. Um, <laughs> badge of honor, badge of honor. Yeah, this whole thing is so utterly ridiculous. And I just hit this wall a couple weeks ago of I'm tired of the tyranny. So I reached out to the mayor, who I've pestered several times before. 
And I talked to his assistant and I said, I need to see this proclamation. And she said, oh, you can find the text online. And I said, no, 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 no. I want to see what he signed. It's public information. Send it to me. And then upon reading it, I knew I'd be pissed, but it just really set me over the edge because so many lies, so much fraud, so much double speak, so much thinking we're stupid, you know, and that they could just screw us over. It's the 22nd time they've extended this. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of hit this wall of like, no, it's it's gone on too long. It shouldn't have even gone on a week, let alone what are we in, 20 months? Yeah. So, yeah. And then I did reach out to the mayor and I, you know, I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt and said, I don't know if you know how much misinformation is in here, but your numbers are wrong. You're conflating positive tests with infections. Bingo. You do know that the PCR is not a diagnostic, right? Um, and he sent me some sort of nonsense. It was a like a blurb from Cleveland College, something I hadn't heard of that said, PCR is the gold standard. And if you run it enough times, then you can get a positive test. And I, <laughs> I was like, exactly. Like you just, you just said the thing. And then he was like, we're gonna yeah. need to disagree to disagree. Stay safe from this very dangerous disease. And Yeah, the, the, may I comment on that just for a second? When did, testing and diagnostic testing become a probabilistic exercise or i or, you know it, it, it to me that seems foolhardy and if you're going to base the destruction of the economy and the social fabric of a nation or the world on the probabilistic nature of a test not to kind of to play off your, your, your the title of your book but that is completely quantum it's almost like statistical in its very nature it's just like oh well we're just going to run this test until we get a probability distribution that comports to the result we want it's exactly. like taking the test over and over and over again until you get successful and exactly. I, it's that is not a way for public policy to be, even be implemented not to not to not to mention like drive public policy and when you that i hear that i'm like oh my god it's insane. And I've reached out to the New Mexico Health Department numerous times asking for them to be transparent about their process. How many cycles are you running? What determines a positive case, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. State secret every, in every state. Right. They hang up on me every time. And it's just so frustrating. Like there's zero transparency. We know it's a sham. And I feel like at this point, we know that justice is not going to come through our justice system. It's not going to come through our elected leaders, whatever they are. Yeah. Um, so it's on us to get real loud now because I'm over it. <laughs> Congratulations. And how many of your fellow Santa fans? If I'm using the term correctly, you're con probably your very hoity-toity, um, the <laughs> elite among us, the left among us, the progressives among us, are in your your same boat. Who have said, "F this! This is getting ridiculous." Okay, well, let's be clear that leftists, progressives have canceled me, so those people don't. Okay, so you don't have any. Oh, you yeah, don't have any insight it. to that community anymore. So oh no, 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 no! They x me out last year. Last yeah, you're year. not even allowed to be friends with them anymore as soon as you disagree. Apparently, that's a thing. Totally. We're not allowed to have different thoughts or ideas anymore. Mm -hmm. That's tantamount to, I don't know, racism. Yeah. Or um, not her uh, heresy. Um, it's a it's not like 1984 at all. 
No. Or, or more importantly, like the Salem Rich trials. Not similar whatsoever. Not at all. Or uh, the Third Reich. It's not like that at all either. <laughs> yeah, but you have you have identified yourself as a word witch, have you not? So, I mean, maybe there is a good reason to put you on a stake and burn you. Maybe. Totally. Plus, okay. uh, plus I'm a, a walking infectious disease. <laughs> an old shoe. So just add that to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I think you could go a million different. Yeah, there's a lot of different sure. directions you can go, and I know. And I, I, I mean, the the irony is thick. It's just like you know, there was a reason why the very thing that they kind of demonized with the last administration and the policies of the last administration are almost analogous to the policies that you're kind of backing into now with the unvax versus the vax. I'm not exactly. saying it's a Star David type attitude. I'm not saying it's a Star David situation. I am. But I it's am. very analogous to Stars of David. I'm just real talk. Well, and that was something that was really alarming. That was what rang the loudest alarm bells when I went through the emergency proclamation version 22, was how often the unvaccinated were demonized, where it seemed off topic. Like, what does this have to do with the illegal mandates you're pushing now that you keep having to reference that it's the fault of the unvaccinated, which let's be clear, the CDC definition of unvaccinated is someone who has been vaccinated, but has been hospitalized or died within the first two weeks. And we still haven't gotten any sort of answers on that. I, I've not heard any answers as to how many of those people have been hospitalized or died. It's like they just kind of just push that under the rug. They don't want anybody to see it. Nothing's happening here. You know, it's interesting. We've got this situation where the cases are plateauing. They keep going up. And, and you've got kind of the mainstream media, you know, reference a KOAT article by Angel Salcedo, you know, where it's like saying, well, we're at 72% vaccination rate. Uh, why is Why does the rate keep going up? Why are people still getting infected? Why, 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 why? It's like, well, you know, a lot of this was predicted. Nine yeah. months ago, by, by, yeah, by the ago. by the people who you've canceled and called quacks for the better part of a year, and while as a reasonable person, I was willing to concede the fact that maybe they were, I am now eating my words and being like, "Yep, listen to those guys. They they called this. They called they they called it almost to the to the T." Well, and, let me ask you: Are you do you have any people in your life who were pushing back who are now? Echoing that sentiment, like you were totally right. I was. Uh, I have tons of coworkers, that, particularly the coworkers now where I work. The particularly the coworkers that are now facing the ire of running a gauntlet of HR for religious exemption. Those are the people, or and even people who have not who've just taken the shot and been like, "All right, well, we're going to move on," and then trying to find out that like the onerousness for which they still have to live under, even though they've done what they're supposed to do. Now they're starting to say like. Now they're not looking at me as the crazy guy Ooh. saying like, you know, this was probably made in a lab and, you know, this is this is going to lose its efficacy real quick, quicker than most vaccines. You do understand they're never going to stop these measures. I, I had, you know, I even had my boss tell me the other day, oh, but when this is all over next year, hopefully we get back to normal. And, I was, and I'm just sitting in the back of my mind like, sir, we're never going to get back to normal. Yeah, well, that's like this quote from Dr. Christine Ross from the Department of Health, where, you know, she says that we flattened this curve, but it's not trending down. And then her solution is 
First, if you're not vaccinated, get vaccinated. Secondly, boost your level of protection and get that booster shot. Let's just keep repeating the same stupid stuff that hasn't worked for months and months and months on end because we don't know what else to say. I mean, either they're ignorant or they're malicious. There really is no in-between at this point. I think the people driving this are malicious, but I don't. I think the, the rank and file are just ignorant. I can't tell. I mean, I'm on the fence. Are they being paid? Are they being threatened? I think I think all of the above. Has their soul been stolen? Has chromosome eight been shut down by our our good pal Moderna? I mean, there are so many X factors here. Well, I yeah, mean, what, I, you you obviously did work, you know, with with Plandemic, mm-hmm. which kind of qualifies you. I know that you did your homework at some point. What do you think it is? If we're just going to blatantly What's say it. I mean, it? why are so many doctors and and other people just going along blindly with this so okay as far as the larger it this is a eugenics population Mm -hmm. population plan why are the doctors going along with it um i i think a lot of them are being bribed and are selling out for the money um, I think the cognitive dissonance is what's responsible for a lot of it, of just people are unwilling and aren't, they're not stable enough in their sense of self or in their psycho-emotional center to hold uh, the truth of, of just how nefarious this is. So I think it's a massive level of denial. I think a lot of it is parents who have vaccinated their children and therefore are unwilling to take responsibility for putting their own children in harm's way. So, so those denial walls are some cost fallacy. <laughs> it's like, well, we're, we're, we're all in. So we don't want to, and we don't want to admit that we were wrong and that we may have harmed our children. Exactly. I think that's a big piece of it. But I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Obviously the state's getting prepped to vaccinate five to 11 year olds. I just don't understand this thinking at all. It's with zero percent chance of them dying. Yeah, but then then they use the the whole thing where they say, well, they're going to spread it to everybody. You know, they're going to spread it to their teachers, their poor teachers, their parents. You know, but I just keep watching anecdotally friends of mine that have taken the jab, that have taken three jabs. They keep complying, and it doesn't get any better for them. And in fact, in fact, I hate to say it, that more of my jabbed friends have had sickness and other things as a result of this, which I think it's kind of interesting if we kind of roll into some of these other issues with the, with the forever chemicals that the governor has recently come out and stated she's going to fight against and everything else. It's just more of these chemicals in our body. At what point do we have to realize that what's going on is that they always have something to cure us. It hurts us. Then they have a cure for the thing that hurt us. It's no different than, than heroin, morphine. And the rest of it it goes. Yeah. I think it goes, Opium, morphine, heroin, yeah. fentanyl. I, I, I think it, that that or that's the that's the succession of the things that we got, the things that we implemented to pull people off of the thing we implemented before. Well, it's the Hegelian dialectic. It's problem, reaction, solution. That's what's mm-hmm. playing this whole thing. And asymptomatic spread is a myth. We've proven that that's not a thing. So, so that's what's propping up this whole sham and everything in. In, in these injections, it doesn't matter who's manufacturing it, exists to break down the immune system to make us weaker in addition to the graphene oxide and, mm-hmm. and all the other creepy stuff that they're putting into it. But 
I think it's really important to remember that the goal is to murder us all. Like that, that really is. And that was something that frustrated me about Plandemic was they pulled out the part about Bill Gates being a eugenicist and that coming through Rockefeller, Club of Rome, Fabian Society. And I feel like without that fundamental, like anchoring part of the story, it's very hard for people's minds to hold it. Cause then he just comes off as like a cartoon character villain. And if we don't understand that these are generations of eugenicists, it's hard to wrap our minds around, you know, just how horrible this sham really is. Well, that very much is the keystone. And I think that's the problem is that when you look at how they're destroying this country, you know, from multiple uh, trajectories, it doesn't make any sense. You say, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Well, when you go ahead and put in the whole they want to kill us part, then things start making sense. Right. People, yeah, and people don't want to come to that conclusion. I don't no. want to come to that. Yeah, conclusion. no, that's the and that's kind of the hard part, right? I mean, you don't want to think that that is ultimately the goal. You want to you want to believe ignorance, but you, no one wants to believe like malevolence. I mean, they don't they they don't think so because it's it does sound a little Bond villainy and cartoonish in a sense, but if you Look at the history, and I, I tend to look at the history of progressives as as a as a group of people and a type of thinking that has always been paternalistic and no better than than the hoi polloi, than the than the rabble and whatever. And they will build a society of people who are obedient. They will build a priesthood. They will train that priesthood. And that priesthood would go forth and spread the gospel of progress. And part of that progress is, yeah, you don't really need a lot of kids. And you know what? I mean, let me let me go to the um, less than desirable neighborhoods and less than desirable communities around this country and inject them with Planned Parenthood centers. Let's solicit to their doctors opioids to, you know, you know, see their pain. Let's do all these things that we know are economically and socially economically destructive and do it. But I think what they, if, if we were to go the route that we're talking about here, they wanted a faster route to that because that, that, that works for destroying a society and having it kind of breed itself out of existence. But you need a, sometimes people get anxious and you need a shortcut. And I think as we kind of look deeper into this, they found that shortcut. And oh, you have you, and you have to basically say, oh, yeah, they are trying to kill us. Like where where I come from in the African-American community, we've been talking about this for, for decades about how they want to wipe us out. And now this is just something where it's just like they're just going to like, well, we're just going to push up that time frame to notch out the undesirables of society. And that's the progressive mindset that I can't stand and is actually evil. It's it's straight up evil, and it's it's just so interesting how that word progressive has become conflated, right? Because yeah. now we have people who identify as progressive pushing for segregation, pushing for apartheid under the guise of progress, which is completely asinine. And and there's a part of me that has compassion for people who have that. I don't have tolerance for it, but I have compassion for that unwillingness. Hi, Josette. <laughs> I love her. Um, she's a friend of mine. Um, but for people who have that unwillingness to let in the reality of this being a genocidal plan, because it's very painful to walk around 
with that knowledge. You know, it is hard and it is heartbreaking. And yet if we don't get real with it and if we don't get real with it really quickly, it's game over. You know, it's not my preference that, that this is the plan and that I know our mayor and our governor and our hologram of a president and, you know, the puppet masters behind them to be evil, but we have to get real with it so that we can course correct and create something better and take control back from, you know, I call them the nefarious fucktards. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And when, and when you kind of bring it back down to a local level in New Mexico, I think it's difficult as well. A lot of people right now, they're, they're caught up in these different things, whether it's the gubernatorial race, the mayor's race, you talk about local elections and, and it doesn't seem like much change is there either because you're having this argument with your local leadership about what's going on and trying to convince them of the truth, quite frankly, is difficult because they don't want to accept it. So again, it's like you're, you're just beating your head against the wall. You can sit there and show them every white paper in existence. You can show them all of the evidence. You can show them the plan as it's been laid out, as it's being executed. And, and they still don't want to accept it. And so you, you, people say, well, on a local level, we need to do something. But it's becoming harder and harder and harder to even do it that way. Well, exactly. And I really relate to beating your head against the wall because there is no open dialogue. Our local elected leaders have no interest in hearing from us. Back when I was attending the, the city council meetings, which were on Zoom, the mayor took it upon himself to shrink um, the time for public comment to 60 seconds. How much can you really transmit to your leaders in 60 seconds? And what does that indicate about how much they value our perspective and what we have to share? 60 seconds? every other week there is no back and forth dialogue and for as many links and articles and you know letters that i have sent to them and proposals and you know solutions i don't think they're looking at anything they don't care i look I, and i tend to look at local politicians as just an extension of the elite that come from the capital cities of most of the states and forcibly the federal capital they're completely insulated from the people the 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 myth and I hate to say it, the myth of having, you know, local subsidiarity is you can catch the governor or the mayor, particularly the mayor or city council person in, in, in your instance, you're in Santa Fe, in Whole Foods or Sprouts. And you can be like, yo, what, what is this? This is some BS, man. What up with it? You know, that was supposed to be it. But these guys, are, these guys and gals are so insulated from you, right? Um, particularly with the COVID. The COVID gives them an excuse not to even not even engage with the rabble on a person-to-person basis and that just and that and yeah that allows them to make these arbitrary rules within the city council meetings to basically be like nah we're just gonna listen for about a minute and you guys whatever because they because by law they have to listen they have to get comment but they do the bare minimum to get the comment and stuff and i think as these more elitist uh city council and or like local representatives kind of move into the fray it's like you're you'll be less and less able to do because they're elitist they don't go shopping when we go shopping they don't go you know they don't in albuquerque and stuff like that other than probably maybe manny and you know maybe eddie i mean you, 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 come on man you think tim keller's going to el modelo and having like a stuffed sopapilla you know you think they you think he's going to like, you know, he will like if he thinks it's needles. a good photo op, typical politician. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, he'd probably go down there for a good photo op once they cleared the homeless. Yeah. 
um, out of the uh, encampment from. Oh, he'd probably feed a taco to the homeless, and then yeah, yeah, he'd probably do that, right? I mean, because he's benevolent and he's our father. Um, But no, it's it's yeah, it's it. This is easy. This crisis made it easy for them to like ignore the rabble because now, for our safety, we don't we don't commiserate with the rabble at the Whole Foods and the Sprouts, which in and of itself is elitist. I should okay, know. So- I, I go to Foofy. I get their Foofy food there occasionally too. So. <laughs> okay, so check this out. This is how how like everything that you said is completely spot on. I have not run into any of my city council members or the governor or the mayor anywhere in this town. And they've taken upon themselves to make the public health and safety task force meetings private, which is a direct violation of the Open Meetings Act. So I messaged them directly about this like on what pretense are you violating the law in this way and don't you think the public should be involved in these decisions that you're making that are destroying family businesses families yes our whole city so they completely ignore me so i put a post on facebook and i tagged the mayor and um the city councilwoman who's running against him veal coppler mm-hmm. her response was to block me <laughs> yeah yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. Um, you know, it's frustrating. I, I don't know what the answer is yeah, there. This has it been seems too... like you've tried everything reasonable at some point. Yeah, but they're just so. not interested. It's like you say they don't care. And so yeah. when you look at this, and and I think part of the problem is, you know, we can cite the uh, the poll from the Albuquerque Journal recently that talked about vaccine mandates. Okay, for instance, where you know it shows over sixty percent. Are like, yeah, we need to have vaccine mandates everywhere. That's a great Does idea. Does anyone here believe that? No, absolutely <laughs> no not. I, I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. I have I have problems with that. I think that uh, I think that people tend to be a lot more authoritarian than they'd like to admit. I or here's it's kind of this. It's this phenomenon. Bear with me here. Yeah. It's kind of during the during the lockdowns. When, or sorry, when we came out of the lockdowns temporarily and then we went back in, of course, KRQE or name your television network runs up to random people in the street and every random person on camera says, yeah, well, you know, if we have to go back in the lockdown and whatever, because we got to get, you know, because we got to keep people safe and stuff like that. And then as a uh, as an addendum to the story, some people off camera st- who didn't want to be on camera said that this is stupid, right? That's what happens. These polls are typically self-selecting like those interviews, mm. right? Where like it's kind of, no, no, no. I, I'm willing to suspect anyone's left of center who's basically a member of, you know, the community in any real way, particularly if they're Hispanic, privately are like, no, this is dumb. This is, this, no, that's terrible. Like that will kill my business. That will kill this. That will kill that. Because the the crazies uh, occupy the public square, and the people who are not, re- I mean, for lack of a better word, um, psychopaths are just like, eh, I don't really want to participate in this. Yeah. Right? This is like, yeah, I could tell you off camera, like, yeah, this is dumb. I hate this, whatever. But like, I'm going to still do my part, right? Because the people who, you know, have a vested interest in making sure that they don't become, and no offense, Danny, you ostracized. Right. right. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, to answer the que- your very first question to me, 
I think that people of my mindset are actually the majority in Santa Fe. We're not the loud, crazy people on next door, or we're not the people in Whole Foods snitching on someone, you know, in the produce aisle whose mask slipped down. We're not the insane people, but I do feel like we're the majority. You know, when I'm engaging people in town, I do not muzzle. And as I'm moving through and going into stores and whatnot, people are really happy to see my face and people seem to be on the same page. I think it's just a small, loud majority, people who are happy to be on camera, you know, when a newscaster shoves a microphone in his face. If I saw a newscaster, I would cross the street to get away from them. I don't want any part of that toxic game. Hence why it's self-selecting. And hence why I think this poll is self-selecting. Exactly. Yeah, if it's you, guys, you guys have a lot more hope than me. That makes me happy. We have to, man. <laughs> we, we have a vested interest. <laughs> well, <laughs> because you know. some of us are going to be stuck on this lily pad trying to fight on this atoll for as long as possible. It's a little, it's, it's becoming a little bit more like Iwo Jima, but I think we can, I think we can get to Mount Saravachi, but there will be many, many casualties in the process. There are for sure going to be casualties, but I still believe that truth and justice and light and sanity have to prevail. Like it just, it doesn't make sense because it's too, you know, if we just look at nature, if you, if in any species, like the whack jobs were running the show, they would kill themselves off. And granted, that's what we're in danger of right now. But I, I just keep feeling and maybe this is just a survival strategy but like they can't keep this sham going much longer it's too many lies it's too much silliness that like at some point it's gonna have to fall apart it's not built on anything real or solid yeah yeah well right. let's let's talk about the lies and the shams a little bit and and how we think they're gonna play out there is a mayor's race who's gonna win in albuquerque Come on, Thad. I know you got an idea. Oh, oh. Are well, we still I, I, are we still white pilling here? Or? No, no, we're not white pilling, dude. No, Keller's gonna win. Oh, okay. Oh no, I mean because do people like him? Um, um, um. It depends. Depends on who you talk to. Is anybody um, gonna stand up to Weber? Oh yeah, Alexis Martinez Johnson is standing up. And you I think, think Weber. That, you, you think that she's viable to stand up to Weber? I do because I think that he and Vio. Vio Coppler are going to split the psycho vote and all the same people. <laughs> Alexis just gets everyone sane. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they're running against one another playing their like dirty little, let's see who can sell each other down the river in a more low vibe way. So who's, so what is, what is, I mean, are they fighting back on this latest kind of health edict? That came oh, they're from on the same page. Uh, Mayor Weber, I call him Air Weber. Um, Air Weber and uh, Vijo Coppler, who's the one who blocked me, <laughs> mm-hmm. they both love the governor and they love mass mandates and they love forced vaccination and they love the CDC and they love the government and they love telling people what to do. Alexis Martinez Johnson is for choice, freedom. What a concept. <laughs> Um, So I feel like Santa Fe is probably fed up with having their children muzzled, um, having their favorite restaurants shut down, having their businesses crippled, and will make the same choice. Now we're we're working with Dominion voting machines. So is this going to be a fair election? What are the odds? Uh, Probably not. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We've we've had uh, enough guests on who have 
delve deep into that to kind of give me, even me, someone who tries the white pill to Sean's black pill from time to time, even me, I'm like, if you're not doing any hand counts, if you're not having any audits, if you're not, you know, if you're not, I mean, if you're not kind of dealing with the real chain of custody, if you're not keeping an eye on the voter rolls, if you're not keeping an eye on registrations, it's an off year election. Turnout is not, is, is, is going to be lower. I mean, if, no one's going to be paying attention. I, I can see this being very, very much um, something that looks kind of obvious to us where like, it's obvious that like, you know, Keller shouldn't win by virtue of his record. Exactly. Right? I mean, there's 91 homicides, probably depending on how they categorize these next two homicides, which I think happened in the County. Um, we were at, we're probably at 93 homicides for the year. This year? In the Albuquerque metro area, yes. That's that's insane. That's that's I haven't seen that since the nineties, late nineties when I was here, and um, it's it's been obvious, right? It's the consent decree. It's what do you, the, what do you attribute that to? Is that the open border thing? No, it's okay. It's it's really three things. It's the consent decree that happened during May Barry, who was a Republican, so that should tell you something. Okay. The consent decree that came down from the Justice, the the, the uh, Obama Justice Department after they shot the poor mentally ill man up in the in the Heights. Mm-hmm. That consent decree started off with something like that. You had defund the police for an entire year. And then it's the fact that we, we've always overworked and underpaid Albuquerque PD because, as, a, as a direct result of the consent decree. So they all kind of feed into each other. When okay. you have that and you have a revolving door with the district attorney when it comes to snatching people off the street, putting them in jail, and then, you know, two nights later, you're picking the guy up for something else. That's demoralizing, all as well as it it promotes a culture of lawlessness. So the simple fact of the matter, that's what's been going on in Albuquerque for the last really 10 years. Um, it's only really ramped up in the last four. And he all he all he's promising, at least Keller, is I'll hire more cops. Who wants to work for Albuquerque PD? If you do the if you look at the polls of the of the of what they did at the rank and file of APD, well, we're one we're, um the city is short two, three hundred officers at the most. At the least, I'm sorry. Also, they don't, it's the consent decree. It's the consent decree that basically handcuffs them. It's the district attorneys that are just creating, you know, revolving doors for criminals. And there's a simple fact that, like, the police have been kind of crapped on for better part of really since Ferguson, um, which was what what was that, 2014? Um, So, yeah, that's, that's the problem here for crime. Then, as I have had friends of mine who have been trying to get into the cannabis business, when you look at the, well, we're dropping F-bombs, the sheer fuckery of the <laughs> rules when it comes to just like, hey, well, we have this spot. We're this small grow and stuff. We're going to do the right. Yeah, we're going to. Yeah, yeah. The legislation says that small grows are going to be. No, the big guys are completely notched it out. And once you get to the city council, what my compatriots are finding out is, oh, there's. There's this zonal certification. There's that thing. Doing business in this state and doing Sucks. business in the city of Albuquerque in particular is awful. Mm. That's all because of the governance of the city over the last 10 years, to be honest. So that's so why do you have anyone, is there anyone going up against Keller who is, is sane and gets it and actually has Albuquerque's I mean, best interest in mind? Well, you you could you know the mega crowd and myself included because I actually kind of like the guy is Eddie Aragon, but here's the deal: that's not going to happen in Albuquerque. Manny Gonzalez, at the very least, 
as eh, kind of iffy as he, you, you may think he is on the issues of, you know, economic vitality and stuff. At least he was the Bernalillo County Sheriff, where I feel, for the most part in the county, they shot and asked questions later. Mm-hmm. And crime was down in the county. Okay. So, but Manny is corrupt as the day is long, or at the very least, they painted him as such. And he's just a Democrat. I mean, you know, and maybe, you know, bring back Marty Chavez if you got to bring back a Democrat, in my opinion. I think you got to face something when it comes to the state of New Mexico is that it's a Democratic run state. Yeah. I mean, it really has always been that way. I mean, that's that's kind of a topic we could kind of switch to, Danny, a little bit is even on the gubernatorial side. You've, you talked about Alexis Johnson as perhaps being a viable uh, competition to Weber and Santa Fe. But, I mean, what's going on on the gubernatorial side? I mean, we've seen every candidate in the world. We've had a lot of them on here, graciously yes. enough, mm-hmm. and we appreciate that. But when I look at the entire field, and now you, I guess we're throwing Ron Keddy in again. <laughs> but it's just like it's this entire field, and very few of them seem to understand the issues that we hear from from the people who watch this show, from yourself, whether we're talking about election fraud, whether we're talking about the COVID measures, it, it just seems like the establishment just plays the game. You've got your front runner picked from the Republican Party. And this is a lot of the reason why I've never been a Republican, never will be a Republican, is because I just look at them and I go, okay, they're playing controlled opposition. I mean, you've been here long enough and you've known enough of these people. How much of, you, of that do you think is in play with all of this, where they're just going along to get along and there is a power structure that controls new mexico kind of like a deep state oh for sure for sure and i think there's so many shady things going on here i mean we have two nuclear labs we have gates's interest here we have musk interest we have all this mm-hmm. you know crazy stuff with like aliens and technology so i think there's a particular strong deep state hold on new mexico i don't think the government you know, I know we're allegedly a blue state, but it's not representative of the people that I come across. It actually feels when when I travel all over New Mexico, it feels like we're actually quite red. But we have this governance that isn't representative of of our perspective. I'm not, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. Yeah. I think that that whole thing is a trap that we really need to evolve out of if we're going to make any change. Um, But yeah, there's this like shell over New Mexico that is completely unrelated to the people and why we're here and how we operate. But there are so many different like dimensions to New Mexico, which kind of makes it like its own country or its own planet. Like it's so unique in that way. Yeah, I think that uh, it's been used for a long time. I know talking to my mother, you know, who's native to this to this state um and you know her side of the family has been here for a very long time uh this has always been kind of a testing ground for the federal government they treat it as such they treat the people as such whether we want to talk about native american women that go missing routinely Mm -hmm. and we can say we can say that part of that just happens because you know people are messed up out you know on the reservations which is kind of what i've heard from different people within the fbi i've talked to but you know there's something larger at play here there always has been i mean i know people who were kind of pushed through different state organizations as children you know and then sent to catholic charities where they were molested and it's like you've got to start to look at it and go why why was epstein ranch here why exactly yeah you have to ask that because they can get away with it because they had it on an island for those that don't know that 
you know, that his ranch is actually surrounded by private land, which made it incredibly inaccessible. Really, the only reasonable way to get into the ranch was by helicopter. Do you think that's by accident? And how many people had to do favors for that to happen and for that to continue happening? And I see the corruption here in San Juan County, and there are things that I know about, that I'm aware about, that I probably wish I wasn't, that I can't really, you know, get into verifying, but I'm just saying as a nice, horrible way, this state is controlled by some very evil people. And again, coming back to what we talk about with this wider pandemic or with this coronavirus, until people start recognizing the corruption that exists and recognize what it's born out of and bred out of, which is, which is evil, I, I don't know that you can even fight against it. Yeah, it's very tough. And I mean, all you have to do is tune into last week's episode, mm-hmm. particularly the first hour. And we've had you know Anna Gardner on. Mm-hmm. Remember that episode? And even um, uh, uh, Blair Dunn and his trials and tribulations of dealing with anything here, they there is a there is a narrative, there is a cabal, there is a way things are done. If you do not conform to that, you will not be prosperous here. And it's why. And one of the early themes of this show was we're losing population left and right. You can't do anything here. And even if you are doing anything here, you're going to have to do some some fairly icky stuff to get into the you know, the club, so to speak. And that's frustrating. And that makes, you know, we're, we're an experiment for a lot of things. Yeah. We're going to be one of the few States that are going to go after this new forever chemical. We're one of these few States that are going to try to do these very, uh, I guess, pilot programs for methane and methane detection and flaring. Um, You know, um, we, we've destroyed our industries here. We're going to try to go all green. We're going to be a state that has no damn business going all green and taking off like our fossil fuel inventory and infrastructure to do this green thing. And we're just going to do it. We're just going to do it. In the meanwhile, we have two nuclear weapons laboratories, one of which came up with a modular design that we're never going to deploy here. That that modular design just came out of Los Alamos is going to go somewhere else. At every turn in this state, there seems to be just a, just it, because we're such a backwater. I hate to say it. Mm-hmm. People come here to get away from the sins that they've committed somewhere else and they, their predations become the ethos of the state and how it's governed. And I think and, and until people kind of start to realize that, particularly native New Mexicans who are, you know, who have voices. Right. Because the voices of the people from the south that just aren't being heard. I don't know how many people we've had on from the south where it's just like, yeah, we just. Either they ignore what Santa Fe has done, but they can't ignore what Santa Fe has done because they have a strategic industry that Santa Fe regulates. And it kills and it kills and it destroys everything. If I see one more politician say that COVID shut down the economy, I'm going to explode. COVID didn't shut down this economy. No. The people who run this state who, you know, well, if we shut it down, we'll get the federal largesse for for whatever. And that's that's why these health orders remain. It's why you have particularly a lot of governors and mayors saying, yeah, we'll, we'll maintain this as long as we have to, because we're getting department of education money. We're getting department of energy money. We're getting all kinds of federal government money because we're battling COVID. That's the problem. That's why Michelle Lujan Grisham is sitting on a billion dollar war chest. I mean, I'm sorry, pandemic aid. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what it is. I mean, also, so Danny, how much of this is, in language, right? Like trying to convince people how much, just to put your, you know, put you up front there for the language, how much of this is just language and how much of it is just like 
people not understanding language or being stupid? I don't know. Um, I mean, this is absolutely a propaganda war, 100%. I interviewed Anna Garner yesterday. We went through the emergency proclamation, and she said this is a pandemic of publicity. Hmm. And it's wow. all words. It's all language because, you know, and I get that people are having different experiences, and there's, you know, one perspective that it's multidimensional. But so much is what the screens are telling us is happening, and people are prioritizing that over their own lived sensory experience. Mm. So the screens tell us these many people are dying. It doesn't matter that everyone we know is alive. People are deferring to the screen and to that kind of mind control that's coming through the language, through you know the frequencies and the light. I mean, that was what was so frustrating to me about the proclamation was how language was being manipulated. You know, just, just the phrase, you know, however many people have died of COVID when we know that they died with COVID and probably not even that because they died with positive tests, results from a test that isn't a diagnostic test, but that's being conflated. So just that little shift of instead of with is why this whole thing is going down. And, you know, just how they're, they're redefined unvaccinated. Yes. You know, it's like deciding that blue eyes now means brown eyes. So we can say that there are 50% of the population has blue eyes because we've just changed that definition to mean brown eyes. It's that backwards. And, you know, people are just so willing to give their power away to these screens and they have so much access, right? You know, when we were growing up, it was like, what, three television stations or five television stations. It wasn't 24 seven programming. So people have been entrained to just do what their screens tell them to do what the propaganda tells them. So I think this whole thing is happening through language because it's not really happening in front of us. Yeah. Through language and the search for convenience, for sure. Uh, people don't like to be inconvenienced and we've been trained to be that way. So the words coming out of our screens, the 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 stimuli that we're being presented with, and the way we're responding. I would uh, call it I would call it an addiction to convenience. Oh yeah, I, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Wow, that's an excellent, excellent. Because I notice, you know, how many people, and this is a source of frustration for me. They just want to do what they want to do. So if they're using fake cards to go places or if they're lying or if they're going along with it because they don't want to be inconvenienced, whereas if we were all willing to be a little inconvenienced at the beginning, it wouldn't have gone this far. But I think I think we in the United States specifically are kind of fat, lazy, and used to our comfort. So we're not willing to go without anything. So we'll play along with what we know is tyranny. And that's why we're here. Yeah. It kind of reminds it, it, when I was watching that video with you and Anna Gardner, I, I, I and I was reading the emergency uh, state of emergency order from the from the mayor of Santa Fe there. I, I found myself as I was reading through the whereas, 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 where I find I in my mind, I was like, get on with it. <laughs> right. And then and then you guys kind of picked out what I picked out immediately, which was like like that that third section about facilitating continued continued applications of policy adapted to evaluate and address public health risks, including like the encampments, the homeless mm -hmm. encampments thing. Yeah. And you and like 
in our society where we have this very small attention span, like I'm just like I, I would have gotten to halfway through. I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm not gonna read the rest of this. This is dumb. But deep in this are some really stupid provisions. So like we can take, yeah, all this stuff applies to, you know, all this other stuff, except these homeless encampments that aren't in the public parks or whatever. Anywhere else, though, you know, we're going to, like, keep going with this build for zero initiative thing. And I'm just like, mm, that's weird. That's a weird carve out and stuff like that. I mean, what else is in that proclamation if we're talking about words? Because it's just word salad, just a bunch of words. And yeah. within those words are, like, the power to do like some really nefarious stuff and to carve out someone got a carve out for this right oh, yeah. in that particular section oh yeah i mean they just kind of toss that in and there's been all this talk for a couple years now as far as well what are they going to do with santa fe art institute and the mayor's had some sort of secret plan going and in the back of my mind i'm like it's camps you know those are going to be internment camps they're already set up for it as far as what's hidden in there, I mean, the very first section with both both Anna and David Clemens pointed out was that the mayor claims to have as much power as the sheriff, which he doesn't. He absolutely, so he starts off with that one. And then he goes into just because of all these deaths, everyone has to do X, Y, Z. And I feel like the continued demonization of the unvaccinated is prepping the groundwork for the forced vaccines that we see happening on the west coast and in new york to be happening here um continued you know just like it's just this giant power grab that they can do whatever they want to us this thing with the um with the rents this, that, that makes no sense where like tenants don't have to pay rent but they're not they're not making it so that landlords don't have to pay mortgages so there are all these angles in which you could see they're deliberately trying to crash the economy under the guise of wanting to help us. But it's like clearly laying it out for just like, well, we're going to need their, you know, communism, socialism handouts. It's a good way. It's a good like closet. It's a good kind of um, way as, a, as an IV drip of fascism, right? Because what's totally. going to happen is these utilities and these landlords and or, or in this instance, since the landlords are probably be, you know, BlackRock and et cetera, totally. are going to basically be dictated to how they can and who they can give these properties to, who they can shell out these utilities for, or at the very least, they're going to get paid partially by the government to subsidize the people who they basically encourage not to go out and pay for the utilities, pay for their mortgages, pay for their rents and stuff like that. It's almost like the same thing happened in 2008, 2009, where the dirty little secret about 2008, 2009 mortgage housing crash was the vast majority of people actually could afford to pay. They just walked away and they were allowed to do so. And that's why the contagion got bad. And with that crash became came a huge fiscal and monetary intervention that now has us to the point now where all fiscal policy is driven by the Federal Reserve. And who controls the Federal Reserve? Like banks, not, not the government. Now, granted, the government drives them. And in order to keep give them the monopoly over the printing press, so to speak, they give it to them. So it's almost like you're right. They're crashing it and getting us ready for the next intervention. And that next intervention is going to be, I mean, nationalizing of banks nationalizing of maybe housing 
and all this other all this other nonsense um, that's just going to set us up for something even worse. And uh, now I'm convinced that they're evil and they're trying to kill us. Oh, were you on the fence before our show? <laughs> he was definitely he's definitely been on now. He's been on the fence a lot. That's something that I've watched over the last year and a half is Thad really come to terms with a lot of things. So, I mean, understanding this, understanding that it is really a battle of good versus evil at this point. Danny, what what's your admonition for the people in New Mexico? Okay. Um, my admonition admonition for the people in New Mexico is to say no to realize that all of this is going on under false pretenses. They have zero of the power that they're pretending to have. None of these mandates are laws and none of them will stand up in court because they're so flimsy. And it really can be so simple and graceful as we just band together and say, no, take off the masks, open up our businesses, stop micromanaging and move forward and let them like whatever they do in my mind they're like these little ants where i think like that's so adorable that you think you have that power but you don't it's you know it's so small and flimsy it's it's not even worth our rage you know or any sort of big emotions it's just like that's really cute that you're trying to play tyrant and we're going to continue on and steer our state in the direction that we want to steer it to benefit the people here, not the, the, these elite, you know, reptilian fucktards who are trying to bring us to our knees so that then they can bring in their UN armies and their digital enslavement currencies and their social credit systems and their robot police force and like all their other nonsense. Now is the time for us to say no more and get them out and let's create some new you know, some new ways of doing things. I think that is one of the benefits of being in New Mexico. You know, we talked about all of the negative stuff is there is a very special energy here. And there are a lot of really bright, visionary, free thinkers. And so I do believe that this is going to be the nexus where the new game emerges and from where the new systems and the new ways of doing things emerge because we do have so much creativity here. We are the Wild West. There is a spaciousness here. So I feel like now's the time to draw the line in the sand and say no more and let's come together and collaborate on new, more effective ways to serve us, the people, instead of continuing to give our power away to people who don't care about us. And they're probably not even people. Well said. I'm not at all surprised you said it well. Uh, everybody can go to, I think it's dannycats.com. That's an easy place to find stuff about you, correct? Yep. Uh, where else? There were there was a couple other websites. You're, uh, you're pretty easy to find. All, all people really have to do is search your name and they'll find things. Yay. That's great. I might also have quantumlanguaging.com, which is all about my coaching, consulting, my books. You can find my videos on BitChute and on Odyssey. Uh, I post... Yay, yay. <laughs> yeah we're the odyssey fam yeah. uh, i post daily on instagram and yeah you can find everything through dannycats.com awesome people go do it uh i highly recommend it i don't know how she and i ended up becoming friends uh, online or whatever but it's it's been cool she's she's incredible <laughs> it's good to know that you're actually here in new mexico sort of fighting the fight yeah. and particularly you're in the heart of the beast so please don't Speaking of the beast. Oh, yeah. Here we go. There seems to Whoa! have been a... 
There seems to have been a change somewhere. He's the middle-aged wolf now. What is up, New Mexico? I'm surprised you're so comfortable wearing a mask there. Who's wearing a mask? Oh, sorry. I'm, <laughs> it's not. It's I'm anti-mask, man. Yeah. What? Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, are you gonna? You ought to put one on the on the werewolf. I, I thought doesn't. about it, but I mean, I'm a werewolf. Like, what? Yeah. What does a werewolf need a mask? We're for? already doing such senseless shit. Why add to yeah. it? I, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's basically yours to control at this point, Baka. What sorry, is? wolf man. The rest of the show? Uh, yeah. I'm going to need some help because my my wolf paws woo, don't work <laughs> okay. as well as no. they should. But I would like to get one last chill in. Oh, oh yes. Get your Thad's glowy box thingy. Get it. Get it. Get it. I would make it glow, but my paws don't work so well. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. But we appreciate that, Wolfman. Um, so what else? <laughs> As promised, uh, uh, so the big announcement here for us here is, look, we've become kind of a family here in New Mexico Rising, and we've like enjoyed giving New Mexicans a voice that don't necessarily get a voice. But it's sad to announce here that we're going to probably take a little bit of we're going to take a little bit of a hi- hiatus uh, for or for a bit. Not a, not necessarily a cancellation of New Mexico Rising, but just. Uh, we're going to regroup and we're going to throttle back for a little bit as we get into the holiday season. That doesn't mean that we won't uh, come back with an emergency podcast from time to time, but episode 25 with the it's lovely Daddy time. Cats will probably be our last, at least for the rest of the uh, kind of, uh, what is it, calendar year? I was going to say fiscal sure. year. Sure. And, um, you know, we're going to end season one on a high note. Um, and basically, we might come back. We don't know yet, but. At the, at the very least, go back to our past episodes, particularly the la- last week's episode. I think uh, Larry Ledmarker told it a compelling story about the things in the the things that impede New Mexico rising and the things we can do to help New Mexico rise. And at the same time, <clears throat> Danny, thank you for coming on. As always, you know, we've had you on other our other kind of podcasts and stuff and keep fighting the fight. And keep being that voice for New Mexico because unfortunately, um, it's it's going to be an uphill battle. And to use my and to stretch my Iwo Jima analogy to its far gone conclusion, we will raise the flag on Mount Saravachi. It's just <laughs> there will be a lot of metaphorical dead in the process. But keep fighting. That's all. Keep fighting. That's all we got to say. I think that's about it, Baka. Take us out of here. Happy Halloween.